0: We continue in our series in the Old Covenant tonight, and we're beginning an exploration of the physical tabernacle. So we kind of looked a couple of weeks ago at the lens that, with which we should view the ceremonial law, that all of the ceremonies are copies of the true things, the tabernacle itself is a copy of the true thing, the priests and the lambs are copies of the true things, etc. Last week, we looked at Leviticus 16, which was the high point and the central ceremony in this, the uh, calendar. We're going to look at the, the uh, physical tabernacle um, for the next number of weeks. And we're starting with the most important physical object in the tabernacle tonight, which is the Ark of the Covenant. And specifically, we're basically looking at his lid tonight which is called the Mercy Seat. We're going to ask and answer three questions about the Mercy Seat this evening. What was it? Why was it? And where was it? By the end of the message this evening, the answer to all of those questions should be clear to you. So let's begin with the first question, which is, what was the Mercy Seat? And notice the past tense. Notice that I said, what was the Mercy Seat? not what is the Mercy Seat. The Mercy Seat was something, but it is no longer extant. You may hear Christians speak about the Mercy Seat as they pray, or you might hear preachers preach about the Mercy Seat, but they're not speaking literally because there is no Mercy Seat in any of our churches. These seats are not the mercy seats. Those seats are not the mercy seats. There is no, where where is the mercy seat? Right, that's what I mean, but it's no longer extant. We're not speaking literally. Whereas, in ancient Israel, you could actually find the mercy seat and say, there it is, that is the mercy seat. So there is no mercy seat in that sense anymore. There is no, physical mercy seat in any of our churches. There was, however, a mercy seat in the worship center of the ancient Jewish community. First in the tabernacle and later in the more permanent iteration of the tabernacle, which was the temple. All the temple really was, was just the um, making permanent of the tabernacle. It was created sometime around 1500 BC, the Ark of the Covenant was, and the mercy seat, which is its lid, basically. It was created sometime around 1500 BC, or possibly a couple hundred years later, depending on how you date the life of Moses and the exodus from Egypt. And the mercy seat continued to be a fixture in Jewish worship until the Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem around 600 BC. So for roughly about a thousand years, the mercy seat was very, very central to the worship of the ancient Jews until the time of the Babylonian exile when the Ark of the Covenant was either destroyed or went missing. The mercy seat was part of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box. We read here in the passage I just read to you, Exodus 25, 10 to about the dimensions, but we we read there about cubits, which is not as intelligible to us. But basically, the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box about four feet long, and about two feet wide, and about two feet high, overlaid with gold. And inside it were the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And much later in history, the biblical book of Hebrews tells us that there were a couple of other things in there too. Aaron's staff that button and a container of manna anyway this art had a cover and on this cover were two angels one on either side with their wings stretching towards the middle of the cover and in between the angels in the middle of the cover was the mercy seat now more on the location of the mercy seat later But approaching a basic definition of what the mercy seat was, we could say it was the middle portion of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. Whether it consisted of an emblem or a symbol or literally a chair or something like that, we don't know. Perhaps it was just the empty space between the angels. We just don't know. But the mercy seat was the middle portion of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, more to the point, why was the mercy seat created? After all, it was God's instructions to Moses to create it that we read in Exodus 25. Why did God command Moses to create the mercy seat? We've seen what the mercy seat was. Let's now consider why the mercy seat. The first thing we need to understand in answering this question is... The first thing we need to review, I guess, is the general principle that I introduced to you a couple of weeks ago Everything in the old tabernacle and temple system was merely instructive To teach us about spiritual realities When God commanded the Israelites to build a tent in which they could perform religious functions It wasn't because God needed a place to live He wasn't a homeless God that needed Provision of a place. It was not because God was a hungry God and needed sacrifices to eat that He instituted these things to satiate His appetite. The construction of the tent, or the tabernacle of worship in the Old Testament, was not for God's sake. It was for the people's sake, for the sake of instructing His people about how the worship of Yahweh works. The same goes for the later permanent structure, the temple. um, As was the case with the tabernacle, so it was with the temple. Listen to the words of Acts chapter 7, 48 to 50. The Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? says the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? God does not need anywhere to dwell. God is not in need of any of the activities or the ceremonies performed in the tabernacle or of the temple. So what are we to make of them then? Again, by way of review, Hebrews 8, chapter 5, or pardon me, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says... They serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So the mercy seat wasn't something that God needed. Rather, it was something that the people of Israel needed that we needed to read about in the scriptures they needed it and we need it because we both need to be instructed about heavenly realities and so we needed these copies and these shadows to teach us and to instruct us about heavenly realities there's what are the heavenly realities then Of which the mercy seat was a copy and a shadow there's much that we could say but for the sake of time and simplicity let me say just this tonight ultimately the mercy seat was given in order to teach us that notwithstanding our sin God is still willing to meet with sinners notwithstanding our sin God is still willing to meet with sinners. Let me demonstrate the truthfulness of that point. If I asked you, where did God usually meet with mankind during the course of the Old Covenant? You would be correct to answer the Tabernacle, or the Temple. And if I were to ask you more specifically, where exactly in the Tabernacle, or where exactly in the Temple did God meet with mankind? The correct answer would be at the Mercy Seat. Douglas Stewart says that the Ark of the Covenant was THE item that would symbolize God's presence among His people. And of course, more specifically, it was at the Mercy Seat above the Ark of the Covenant, between the cherubim, that God promised to be specially present. Listen to Exodus 25:22 again. There, that is at the mercy seat, there I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. Thus the mercy seat was created to be a meeting place within what was already a meeting place. The tabernacle or the temple structure itself. And that God would meet with us at all is great mercy. We often sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's what God is. As pertaining to our discussion of the mercy seat, holy means morally pure. God is that. But we are morally blemished. All of sin, the Bible tells us, all we like sheep. What kids, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. What mercy then that a holy God would meet with us. We don't deserve it. It's mercy, it's grace, it's unmerited. The mercy seat teaches us that notwithstanding our sin, God is still willing to meet with us sinners. Now, there were conditions to be sure. People who worshiped pagan gods couldn't just waltz into the most holy place in the tabernacle where the ark of the covenant was kept. God would have struck them dead. In fact, As we saw last week, God even would have struck His own high priest dead if He didn't approach in the correct way. Remember the threats and the cautions about that that we read and discussed at some length last week in Leviticus chapter 16. But assuming that we approach Yahweh in the correct way, most notably with the blood of a substitute, God is willing To meet with us this is the foremost message of the mercy seat so we've covered what the mercy seat is and why God created pardon me why God instructed Moses to create a mercy seat on the top of the ark let's consider now where the mercy seat was first of all as I mentioned it was in the Jewish tabernacle the temple once it was constructed so it was in the place of the worship of God's people but more specifically it was in the most holy place or you might have heard it called the holy of holies let me help you visualize it the basic design of the tabernacle and and later the temple was the same there were gradations of access not they were not circular but they were like concentric circles so you could imagine a dartboard or you could imagine ripples in a pond with the outermost circle being as soon as you walk into the tabernacle and and into the temple and then gradations of access towards the most holy place or the holy of holies at the center of the dark border at the center of the ripples of the pond. The tabernacle was not circular, but it was something like that, where you would you would come into the outer courts and then progress into the holy place and into the most holy place. The mercy seat was in the most holy place. And it was understood that the most holy place was also the most important place. So the mercy seat Was in the most important place. In the place of the worship of God's people. Everything in the tabernacle. And in the temple. Everything in the outer circles, so to speak. Served as a frame. Like a picture frame. So to speak. For the most holy place. That was the real focal point. When you go to an art museum, you're not supposed to gaze at the frames. Oh man, I wonder what kind of wood this frame is made of. Wow. So yeah, but did you see the picture? Well, never mind that. Look at the frame, right? The frame serves to highlight, or the lighting serves to to put the emphasis on the focal point, which is the piece of art itself. Likewise, the focal point. Of the old covenant tabernacle or the temple was the most holy place everything else was kind of working up to that setting up for that and framing up to that Leviticus 16 which we talked about last week the day of atonement was the central ceremony and it happened in the central place which was the most holy place the movement of religious worship throughout the calendar year revolved around the most holy place And climaxed once a year with the high priest's entrance into the most holy place. And what was in the most holy place? Only the Ark of the Covenant. Now imagine, all year long, seeing that curtain to the most holy place. And you know that that's the most important place. And you're the high priest. And the day comes when it's the Day of Atonement. And now is the day to go in the Most Holy Place. And so you're going into the Most Important Place. And as you open the curtain to go into the Most Holy Place, you see only one object. Namely, the Ark of the Covenant. And you see those two golden angels with wings about two feet long on top of the Ark of the Covenant with their faces towards the center and their wings towards the center, stretching towards one another. Where would your focus go? Naturally. To the corner of the room? To the roof? Obviously, it would go where the angels are looking, right towards the mercy seat, to the same place as the angel's gaze is. So the mercy seat was literally the physical focal point of all Old Testament worship. It was at the very center of the tabernacle layout, the center of the ark, which was itself in the center of the most holy place, which was itself in the center of the tabernacle or the temple in terms of importance. So it wasn't physically at the center. Consider it from another angle also. Alec Motir points out that the construction of the ark, the table, and the lampstand, i.e. the main things in the tabernacle, preceded the construction of the tent to house them. So the ark and the table and the lampstand were made before the tabernacle was even made. Motir quotes another commentator who says then, The tabernacle serves them. They do not serve the tabernacle. So the things in the tabernacle were more important, in a sense, than the tabernacle itself. They were created first, and the tabernacle was just a frame to surround them. The focal points. And within the tabernacle, the table and the lampstand were in the holy place, outside The most holy place. So even they were not as important, not as much the focal point of Israel's worship as the most important thing, the most central thing, the only thing that was in the most holy place, namely the Ark of the Covenant. So the whole structure of the tabernacle or the temple, and even the order in which it was constructed, draws attention and focus toward the Ark of the Covenant which was inside the Most Holy Place, which is understood to be the most important place. And once inside the Most Holy Place, the effect of the angels' gaze and the effect of their wings spreading towards the center of the cover, the middle space, is that your attention is drawn also to there, to that space which we call the mercy seat. What I'm trying to get across to you as clearly as I possibly can is this. The mercy seat was the spatial focal point of Old Covenant worship. And if the mercy seat is instructive, ultimately, about God's willingness to meet with sinners. If that's what the mercy seat was for. If that was the place where God says, I'm going to meet with you. Where? In the tabernacle. Where specifically? At the mercy seat. And if it was then to show us that God is still willing, notwithstanding our sin, to meet with us, then it follows, therefore, that the dominant theme or the dominant message of Old Covenant worship is that God is still willing to meet with sinners. Yes, there were laws about what we must do, And what we must not do yes there were prescriptions about how God is to be approached and how he is not to be approached but all of that notwithstanding God is saying the most in spite of all of these laws in spite of all of these commandments in spite of your sin in spite of all of these prescriptions I am willing to meet with you underneath it all or over top of it all or central to it all or however you want to articulate that I am willing to meet with you. God is willing to meet with sinners. That's why God initiated relationship with Abraham and made promises to him and to his offspring and in partial fulfillment of those promises made Israel into a nation And gave them a mercy seat to be the spatial focal point of their worship. God wanted the old covenant nation of Israel to understand that His merciful condescension to meet with sinners was to be at the center of their worship. And God wants us to know the same. That's why He caused it all to be written down and recorded. As we read in the New Testament, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That is, as New Covenant believers. So the mercy seat was not only for their instruction, but the mercy seat was also for our instruction. It wasn't just for the ancient Jews, but it was for the modern Barbadians and Americans and Canadians and Australians and Peruvians and whoever. It was for us. God wanted them to know, and God also wants us to know that He is willing and that He is desirous even to meet with sinners. Sin itself is not a deal breaker to meeting with God. Though the Israelites sinned against God in many ways, God at the mercy seat made provision for them to return to Him, to approach Him, to meet with Him. In Leviticus 16, which we studied last week, we read about the proper way to approach the mercy seat. And one of the requirements was, as Leviticus 16.11 says, that Aaron... Needed to present a bull as a sin offering for himself. Make atonement for himself. He was to kill a bull as an atonement for himself. That is, as a substitute for himself. So that he himself would not have to be killed. When he as a sinner went into the Holy of Holies. And met with the thrice holy God. So they brought... The ancient Jews brought the blood of bulls and goats when they came to meet with God at the mercy seat. But those sacrifices were always just shadows, copies of the true things, something greater. As the writer of Hebrews says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Otherwise, as he goes on to reason, would they not have ceased to be offered? If they actually got rid of sin, why did you have to keep doing it over and over again? Huh? When we see someone doing the same thing over and over again, we realize they didn't do a very good job the first time. What you doing? Fixing my car. What you doing? Fixing my car. Weren't you doing that yesterday? Well, yeah, I fixed it, but then it broke again. What you doing? Fixing my car. How good are you fixing it? If you've got to keep fixing it over and over. When something is efficacious, you don't have to do it time and time again. The author of the book of Hebrews picks up on that self-evident observation about the way things are. and says, look, if these things were effectual, efficacious, why did they have to keep you an offer time and time again? It is therefore impossible. It's evident that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin Even the thoughtful Old Covenant believer could have understood that the animal sacrifices they brought weren't effective. Just instructive and anticipatory. And what were they instructing us about? What were they anticipating? After saying that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, the author of Hebrews goes on immediately to say that, consequently, When Christ came into the world he said sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me all the animal sacrifices foreshadowed a better substitute a human one who would die in the place of other human sinners that we might draw near to God So that we, like the ancient Jews, might have a mercy seat at the center of our worship. Through Jesus Christ, with His blood, God has made provision to meet with us. That is what the approach of sinners to the mercy seat with the blood of animals was instructing us about. That is what the approach of sinners to the mercy seat with the blood of animals was anticipating. Through Jesus Christ, with His blood, we may approach God, though we are sinners. And that when we come in the prescribed way, in the prescribed fashion, God is still willing to meet with us. There is a mercy seat, sin itself is not a deal breaker to meeting with God. God has made provision to meet with sinners. Yes, they need to come in the prescribed way, but they may come. God will condescend to meet with sinners. There is a heavenly mercy seat, and that heavenly mercy seat, so to speak, ought to be at the center of our worship in the new covenant as the literal physical mercy seat was at the center of the worship of God's old covenant people the central truth in the old covenant system there are many many truths but the central truth was God is still willing to meet the sinners you may be in right relationship with God you may be reconciled to Him. You may be His people. And He may be your God. He may dwell among you. Approach Him. Approach the mercy seat. In the manner He has prescribed. And yes, He will condescend to meet with you. These same truths ought to be central to our worship, even in the new covenant. There are many, many truths. Many, many doctrines. But central to it we may be God's people he may be our God we may be reconciled to him we need to approach him in the manner that he has prescribed but having done so he really will meet with us there was much complexity to Old Covenant worship laws about this regulations about that doctrines to learn stories to interpret and understand Nowadays, there's perhaps less, but still much complexity to New Covenant worship. Laws and regulations about this and that, doctrines to learn, stories to interpret and understand. But even the simpleton could understand what the mercy seat signified way back then. The central truth that God is still willing to meet with sinners, by the very fact that there is a mercy seat even a simpleton can realize well I guess God can still meet with us even though we're sinful and even a simpleton can understand that now even the smallest child you don't have to be a master theologian to get it you don't have to understand everything about Christianity to get the most fundamental thing about Christianity the most central thing kids Kids, listen. You listening, kids? The most central thing. God is willing to meet with sinners. Think about that. Talk about it with your mommy and daddy tonight. God is willing to meet with sinners. Provision has been made for God to meet with sinners. They, the ancient Jews, went to a literal, spatially located mercy seat to meet with God with the blood of animal sacrifices in their hands. We go to a heavenly mercy seat, so to speak, no longer spatially located, but just as real, with the blood of Jesus Christ in our hands. And God is willing to meet with us now as He was willing to meet with them then. This ought to be central to us in our individual lives, in our families, and in our churches, amidst everything else that goes on. The central truth that ought to control at least all of our worship and all of our religious life, but it should be central to our lives generally. Christ crucified for sinners. The truth that Jesus lived a perfect life as a substitute for we who lived sinful lives that Jesus died a substitutionary death that he did not deserve, for we who did deserve that punishment. That by trusting in what he's done, taking hold of his blood, so to speak, we may approach God. That he is willing, desirous even, that we draw near. This really should be central to us, as it was central to old covenant worship. The mercy seat ought never to be relegated to the periphery, so to speak. So that our duties in the Christian life loom larger. We've heard a lot of talk over the last decade or two about being gospel-centered. And I think this is what it's getting at. Yeah, there are things you have to do in the Christian life. But it's not like at the very center of the tabernacle was stuff that the Israelites had to do. At the very center of the tabernacle was God's meeting place with them, where He would mercifully condescend. Good news was at the center of the tabernacle. And they left the center of the tabernacle and went out to live lives of obedience right? but central to their life to their religious life was God's merciful condescension I think something like this is what people are getting at when they talk about being gospel centered the mercy seat ought never to be pushed out to the periphery so that our duties loom larger than the mercy seat or so that our guilt looms larger than the mercy seat What should loom the largest before us, over us, always and ever, is that we may draw near to God and that He will mercifully condescend to meet with us when we draw near to Him by the blood of Christ. May we trust in Him, make use of the privilege of drawing near to God through Him. And may we keep that privilege central and foremost in our hearts and in our minds. Sin itself is not a deal breaker. God is willing to meet with sinners. There is a mercy seat. Draw near to God with the blood of Jesus in your hands.